0: So hello there, and welcome back to the Growing Through Grief podcast. I'm your host, Diana Curtis, and we have a great show for you today. It's all about love and relationships, and oh yes, we're going to talk about grief as well. And who doesn't want more love in their life, right? I will not keep you waiting. We're going to jump right into the conversation, but first, I'm going to introduce you to my guest. Barry Selby. He's a best-selling author, a spiritual guide, a sought-after, inspirational speaker, and relationship expert. He's a passionate champion for the divine feminine, helping women own and express their feminine magnificence in love and in the world. He helps strong, successful women create balance in love, life, life and business he has a master's degree in spiritual psychology 20 years as a spiritual counselor he has more than 30 years of experience helping thousands learn to love themselves and live in holding so welcome back barry i am so glad you're back from part one and we're now into part two If you missed part one, you really want to go back and listen to part one, because Barry talked about some sacred things in his life, the losses around his mom, his dad. And I know that he had this favorite pet that we didn't get into. But we (laughs) we didn't talk about the pet, but yes, that was a very sacred episode. And you want to go back and listen to that. So today he's speaking to us about joy in relationships and I guess our individual roles that we play in creating more love and joy for ourselves or not create more love and joy for ourselves. And he's going to give us some of his secret sauce around love and relationship, (laughs) and it's going to come from his book. I said he was a best-selling author. He wrote this book, 50 Ways to Love Your Lover, and it includes some powerful principles for passionate and richly rewarding relationships filled with deeply fulfilling and juicy romance. It almost might make you just say, mm, are we really talking about grief? <laughs> <laughs> After hearing that, are we really talking about grief? So having said all of that, Barry, I'm just going to pass it to you. I'm going to pass the microphone to you.
1: Well, let me start with a quote about grief that might tie into this. I've used this quote to quite a lot of people who go through the grief journey. I heard this quote on a TV show of all things, a Marvel show, which is called Vision. And one of the characters to one of the other characters is what is grief except love persevering. And when I heard that, I had to like pause the show, and go write that one down. It's so powerful because the reality is for us is that I think love is the answer to everything. In terms of love is who we are, love of what motivates us and what moves us forward. And grief really is about the missing piece for that. Like when we lose love, we start to grieve. And in the relationship paradigm, so it's talking about that. We don't want to talk about this publicly, but a lot of people when they go through a breakup or a divorce or a separation or even become a widow or a widower, there's a grief that shows up about missing their partner. Oftentimes, it's not even missing who the person was, it's missing what they hoped would happen because oftentimes relationships end because something bad, in quotes, happened. Wow. You know, maybe someone's cheating on somebody else. Or maybe it just didn't work out. Maybe just the love went away. But the grief that's experienced is tied to what is no longer there. Yeah. It may never have been there, in fact. So part of that journey in the work I do with helping my clients um, attract amazing relationships isn't just focusing on letting me help you get where you want to go. It's also clearing up the baggage from the past. And some of that is grief, yes. But also one of the challenges that I think all of us go through is we don't necessarily recognize that we are repeating the same things in every relationship we're in without realizing it. and. I've started one of the people I've I I quote in reference to is uh, Bruce Lipton who wrote The Biology of Belief. Yes, Um, I mean, neurobiologist. He talks about epigenetics and other things. He's a really funny guy. I've met him a few times and listened to his talks. But he basically says that we, we, our formative years from when we're born till about five or six years old, Mm -hmm. is when we basically learn like how to write, how to stand up, how to move around, how to walk, how to love. However, we're not learning for ourselves, we're just copying what we see. And oftentimes, the role models we have, well, all the time, usually, the role models we have are the big people around us. Parents, caregivers, grandparents, uncles, aunts, Mm -hmm. older siblings, et cetera. And and that may not be a good thing, just to be clear. So what happens is we are taking in everything around us like a sponge without any filter, without any discernment, without any decision-making. And so our unconscious mind is getting filled up with all these ideas and thoughts and beliefs about how things work. And around the age of six, give or take, our conscious mind becomes the CEO, but becomes in charge. And so the the conscious mind goes, okay, now I'm going to decide what I believe. The thing is that it's standing in front of a doorway to a massive vault filled with everything that happened before that point in time. Right. So we'll fast forward to your adult life. Our unconscious, our unconscious mind, obviously, because we're not, it's unconscious, isn't something we think about. We're not present to it. We don't, you know, it runs automatically. And so certain things we learn when we're kids really work well for us, like learning how to ride a bike or how to drive a car when we're older. Those things become an like automatic pilot for us. We can do them without thinking almost. Relationships, however, don't run best on automatic pilot. <laughs> so, but what happens is we get into relationship in our teens, 20s, 30s, et cetera, et cetera, and we think we know what we're doing. The problem is our conscious mind is not in charge. The thinking part is saying, "I think I know what I'm doing." Our unconscious mind, which has got five, six years of learning embedded in it, is really running the show. Right. So what happens is, for many people, and this happened time and time again with my clients, is that they look at their past relationship, look at the same thing that happened, and I say, "Well, what happened with your father or your mother and your family dynamic?" They go, "It's almost the same thing, maybe a little different." So maybe, for example, Maybe their adult relationships, their partners um, were workaholics or they were just simply holding back on their love. But when they look back at their upbringing, maybe the father was never around. So they got a programming from when they were younger that love wasn't available from the male part of the side of the family. Mm-hmm. So their adult relationships reflect that. There's obviously up and down from that, right? Positive, and there's, a, there's much more challenging once people go through. My my upbringing was one which sounds so silly in a way. My adult early dating life in my teens and twenties was very short lived where all relationships were short because we would be in relationship and there'd be an argument and I would quit and leave every single time. That happened like four or five, six times because relationships didn't last that long. A few months be an argument. I'd leave could be a week argument. I'd leave be a month argument. I would leave. I mean, that was looking back. It was like, why did I not see it so clearly back then? Cause I was in the middle of it. What I, what I learned looking back at my own upbringing was, in my family we did not argue which sounds wonderful except again i said this in a previous talk you know coming from england we were somewhat more stoic we were it's like you know stiff up a lip you don't show emotion at least when i was a kid you tough it out especially as a boy mm. so having an upset or an argument in my wiring didn't fit with love because i didn't grow up with that so i didn't know that it was okay to have an argument and stay together so i'd bail so even though it sounded pretty good to have a relationship or a paradigm in family where there were no arguments, that sounds great. It ruins my day, it ruined my day life, to be honest, because I didn't know how to get past that point until later on. Right. But people go through all sorts of things from, you know, abuse. I look at abuse in, in relationship as being a hereditarily behavioral pattern. It's not genetic. It's behavioral because we, we learn through, example, in our families. And just to compare conscious mind, so to speak, and unconscious mind, the way that one of my scientific friends calls it is in terms of reference point is that if you imagine you're staying in a football field, holding a football, the football is your conscious mind. The football field is your unconscious mind. The scale of difference is clear that unconscious mind has a lot of power. And if you don't understand what's going on, it continues to run the show. So first thing of all this work is that you've got to be willing to look back at history first, yeah. because to move forward, you got to look backwards. Yeah. And that helps to start clearing out old paradigms, old patterns. When you've done that, which takes a bit of time, but it's worth doing, then you can choose more friendly way you want to go. And the thing to speak to the women for a second, as you said in my intro, that I'm a passionate devotee of the feminine. One of the strengths of the feminine is attraction. The feminine energy is magnetic. It pulls things in. It's one of its gifts. It's also one of its curses. Because when it's not filtered and not chosen, then the feminine can draw in things that aren't good for the feminine, for example. Then they might choose relationships that aren't for your best. But however, when you know what your gift is, the power you have in that ability to focus on what you want, then you start to discern your choices and make clear what you want to have. That's when a lot more fun stuff happens. So yeah. in my, with my clients, I do a lot of work to help them really um, unpack and resolve the past baggage and also focus on what they want that really supports their feminine magnificence. And the third piece, which is a lot of work as well, is about the relationship with self, yeah. Because that's the yeah. one relationship we're going to have for life. So it's good to have a good one there.
0: Yeah. Wow. You just <laughs> said a lot there. So
1: <laughs> I know. Sorry, women. <laughs> I, I
0: hope you're lo- you're listening, but I agree that you kind of hit on a little bit on those adverse childhood experiences and. Those little children, <laughs> they are running the show. They're running the show if we're not aware of what's happening. And it's important to, even with my process, to start at the beginning. Yes. How was your childhood? How, I mean, what are some things? How did you love? Or did you get love? Were you held? I love one of your chapters in your book. You say, Stop projecting. Childhood experiences on your partner. That's what we do, but we're unconscious of that.
1: If there's a car, I think it's an animation I've seen somewhere online. I remember seeing it, but the idea of when you look out in the world and see all these adult figures walking along with like little kids inside them. And so you're seeing couples together and it's these little three year olds or four year olds facing each other. And when you start looking at it that way, you just recognize how, how beautiful it is, but also how challenging it is at the same time. Because there's the paradigm of going, how innocent, how wonderful, but at the same time, how naive, how unaware. And, and it's not that I, mean, I don't want to say you start judging that. It's like, no, the thing is we don't have, I mean, I've said this before many times, we're not born with user manuals and their parents rarely had books or teachings to know how to raise us. Right. We're flying blind. There's no manual. No. And most of our parents learn how to be parents from their parents.
0: Right. Which so, is one of the gifts, right
1: that, yeah, well, that's the thing. One of the gifts that we have as adults now, we get to end cycles of bad behavior sometimes. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a powerful position to be in.
0: Yeah, that generational stuff, just going from one generation to the next. Oh, yeah. um, we know more, we have more access to information, experts. Yes. And we can stop it. We can just stop it. So, the programming, the stoic, when you, You've used that word more than once. When you say that yeah. word, I, I hear what comes up for me is stuffing. <laughs> stuffing. <laughs> Pushing it down. Pushing it down yeah. as opposed it's to it. dealing with it.
1: Well, the stoicism, uh, I mean, I use the word because it's very much it's an English thing for me. Maybe I may be bi- biased because it's becoming from England, But it is that sense of like, you know, it's, it's wrong to feel emotional. You know, because um, the thing is, emotions, I believe growing up, Meant I was out of control, and I had to be in control. So stoicism was like rigidity, and I would say definitely a bit stuffy, but stuffing things down as well. I'm so grateful I'm not that anymore. But frankly, when I was in my teens and twenties, and and coming through and being bullied in high school, it was another whole paradigm of my life. It really was a challenge because I didn't want to show emotion, but I felt emotional, and I was this, I had this, you know, fight inside. Yeah, you know, just like keep it stuffed down and and put it on a stiff upper lip and be. Be so, even though being bullied, I didn't have to show, I couldn't show weakness. That was the rules back then. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I had a very conflicted emotional experience when I was in my teens. Thankfully, again, done a lot of work to heal that stuff. And, and it's it's made my work much easier because there have been enough through my own journey where I can help other people navigate their own one as well.
0: Right. Okay. So I promised that we were going to talk a little bit about some of your secret sauce and. <laughs> <laughs> Without giving the farm away.
1: <laughs> well, I think I, I mentioned a couple of parts of that. The secret sauce for me is is that it's not just like painting over rust. I have this. I use this analogy. A lot of people want to go on relationships. They don't do the work between the relationships to fix what didn't work, change what didn't work, change their viewpoint, whatever that is. Right. It's like if you have a car that is rusting and you try to paint over it without fixing the rust, rust breaks through, and unfortunately, that rust is our. Behavioural challenges, our our bad habits. I put it that way. So for me, the work, the secret source ultimately is to really get back to the self love part. Because when we do care about who we are, we'll do the work to fix what's not working, so we'd be happier and live more fully in life. Yeah. The so real the secret source is the self love journey. But it's not like I put my hand in my heart and love myself. It's about all the pieces of the puzzle that make us who we are: self love, yeah. self support, self confidence, compassion, forgiveness. Caring all these different things that we may not have done for ourselves up to this point.
0: I love that. It actually absolutely start with the self because yeah. I can't fully love you without loving myself. It has to be inside of me for me to give it to you, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, except unfortunately most of the media and TV shows and movies and love songs don't tell you that. Right. You know, when you show up, I'll be okay. I mean, Jerry Maguire, you know, you complete me. No, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> I complete me. You complete you. Then we can be together.
0: Exactly. And that's the,
1: the, um, that's the thing. is that, That's the paradigm we fall into is you think that, that when that person shows up, I'll be okay. When they love me, I'll feel validated. It's like, no.
0: There, You reminded me, Barry, of something, <laughs> a quote you put on Instagram. It was something to the fact that it was about you spending time with you, and just loving you, and you said, "You know, I'm okay with this." Oh yeah. You remember that
1: quote? It was yeah. I, I was up for a long time ago. I remember putting out. something like, um, "I'm enjoying it with myself," and I think I'm the one. Exactly. Is <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. that one? Yeah, it was, it was tongue in cheek, but the point is really, we have to find love with ourselves first. It's not because other because we can only give what we what we have. If we don't have love for ourselves, how can we give love to somebody else? Really.
0: Right. So share with us one thing that you did in your program for a client and they didn't expect it or they were surprised and it was like a big bang for them around, of course, love and relationship. That's what we're talking about.
1: Well, actually, the the one that came to mind for one of my clients is going back a year or two ago now. Two years, yeah. Was when when she understood how to forgive what happened, she didn't have to carry anymore. I mean, during the time it wasn't easy, but when we got to the other side of it, when she started, when she really forgave that marriage and her ex, she came back to me the next next session, and she was almost like, I mean, there were tears in her eyes, but she was so happy because she suddenly felt like she was 50 pounds lighter. She was so surprised by how mm. different she felt after that. Yeah. I, mean, I keep talking about it, but until people experience it, they wouldn't know. But when she got to the other side of that part, I was. I could not stop smiling because I was like, I know <laughs> this is why I do this, with my clients. Yeah. And she was so um transformed. I was, I was just so thankful for that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm interested in why do you do this? And you're very bold in saying that you are a champion for the divine feminine, that you work predominantly with women. So why do you do
1: this? Well, I've been I've always been a shoulder women cried on from when I was probably in my teens. So I always had that gift of being the nice, supportive, um, the nice guy, supportive guy, but it wasn't being well in my relationships, but I always found I was counseled without even thinking about it. And it was almost innate to in me. That's just the gift I always had. But after my last really bad breakup in 2006, this is how long ago this was. Mm-hmm. And, I, and at this point I'd already done quite a bit of the work, you know, master's degree, spiritual work, all these different things. However, I repeated the same pattern again, the third relationship row, the same thing happened, and she called me on it. So I became very aware of it. And what happened was I had been the nice guy. And up to that point, my understanding was that there were only two ways I could be as a man, is the nice guy or the bad boy. Mm. Or in other ways, the passenger, which is what I was in that relationship, or the bad boy who was the, the machismo, like my way, the highway, I'm running the show, which is what my dad was. And I rebelled against that when I was in teenage years. So I didn't know there was a third option until after some, um, as I used to like to put it, after that breakup, I was like, okay, God, give me a clue. I'm so not sure what's going on. So I put out a prayer, and like, I, you know, beseeching bread to my, my God to say like, you know, show me a sign. Kind of jesting in a way. But anyway, fast forward a few months, I met somebody because I'd asked for the guidance who led me to a retreat that I was the first one of many I took. Which basically explored the masculine-feminine polarity. Which up to that point, even though I'd done all this work, I'd never even heard the terms. But what I learned was that, first of all, for me to be a masculine man is not being macho, and it's not being the nice guy. For me, what the way I describe it is a macho man. Sometimes the machismo is ego-driven, so it's neck up, and it's basically balls. You know, it's like, I mean to be blunt, it's like it's that's the two parts of the body that, that machismo ties into. For the masculine heart, the two parts of the body it ties into is a strong, straight spine for direction and clarity and an open heart for compassion. And a masculine man is a man who has purpose first. This is the other part I had to learn. Is I'd never had guidance of what I was about first. I was always doing different things. I've had several careers up to that point. But when I, knew, when I learned this teaching back in, say, 2007, this happened, when I... Understood and through practices deepened into what I felt to be masculine and man. I knew this is the place I'd never been before and I had to be. But then what happened was, in the last, this is a weekend journey we went on. So the men and women would go to separate rooms to do masculine and feminine practices and come back together each time. So we had, you know, dialogue and QA and stuff like through the weekend. On the final break, we came back in the room. Instead of sitting facing the front, we stood facing each other in two long lines. It's so the men, there's 50 men on one side, 50 women on the other side facing each other. And we basically were in a masculine, standing in our truth, deep into the roots in the soil. All this stuff we imagined and really grounded ourselves and felt very powerful. And I had my brothers next to me. There were 50 of us. And we'd done a lot of deep work together in real brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And the women were facing us, you know, maybe 10 feet away in their feminine. And they were basically blazing their light. I mean, the way I describe it, I mean, you couldn't see it, but you could feel it. Blazing the light at us. And even though I was standing there strong, Firm foundation, feet placed on the ground. Inside, I was on my knees in worship. I felt the embrace of that feminine majesty, what I've used for it, these 50 women. Mm-hmm. And I knew that my work would be dedicated to that ever since.
0: Wow. Feminine majesty.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. I love that. I love that. And a masculine man. Strong, straight spine. Mm-hmm. So, for all of the listeners or women who are going for the bad boys.
1: (laughs) Because they're exciting, usually. And the problem is that the bad boys, because again, they're 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 machismo and they're 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 matches. Excuse me. They're mass. They match our way of doing things. That's the worst thing. I'm getting conflated with machismo and masochism. That wasn't right. (laughs) The machismo that they're running is selfish. So, they take. They get what they want. And for some women, that's exciting. But unfortunately, they get left behind. They don't get what they want. And that's unfortunately why a lot of women who've been with bad boys, I mean, using that vernacular, have been disappointed. They had fun, but they didn't get what they wanted. Right. And the problem is that the nice guys, because I was one of those for a long time, don't provide, they're not, they're not the provider. They're not, they don't create the safe space. They don't, they're not protecting. Yeah. The masculine energy is one is caring and supportive, protective And strong. So when a woman, I mean, one of the things I learned in this weekend which is transcended to me was when a woman gets upset, I don't have to worry about it. I can be there with it. I don't have to to defend myself. I don't have to shut her down. I don't have to try and fix her. I don't have to run away. I just be present with her. And the funny thing is when I do that, she likes me more. Mm. And that was like, what? I didn't have, again, coming from family, we didn't argue. I didn't know what that was like to feel a woman's upset and not die from it. Yeah. But the thing about the why I say feminine magnificence is because I'm firmly in belief that the feminine energy on the planet as a paradigm is needed more than ever. That the patriarchy we've run for the last millennia has proven its worth to a certain point. But it's the it's the feminine energy which is maternal, which is cooperative, which is collaborative, which is gathering together is what's needed for us to thrive going forward. Yeah. Because the patriarchal structure, which is competitive, combative, and bad, even like my way, the highway, which is the machismo, is self-defeating ultimately. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Wow. So one last question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think. That one, yeah.
0: I think. I think. Yeah, that, that's big. I, I love the phrases you use. Transparency. What advice would you give someone like myself who have really, for the past few years, just devoted her life (laughs) to the business. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a distraction and is ready to attract the right love. Whatever the right love is, Mm -hmm. haven't been out there for a minute, but ready. What would you, what advice you would give her?
1: The ladies who are ready for an amazing relationship.
0: Amazing. I love
1: Before you open up a dating app, before you go on a dating site, before you go out and mingle in the world, is get clear, one, about who you are, and secondly, what do you really want? What does that man provide for you? What does that man bring to you? I don't mean necessarily the money or the house. What does he bring with you with trust, with compassion, with resource, with a space that you can feel safe in? Those sort of qualities. So it's not the things that are transitory or external. It's the internal stuff you want because you may be surprised what you've been attracting in, like I said earlier, you may tend to attract what you had in the past, without realizing it, even if you weren't consciously choosing it, you end up with it. <laughs> so get clear about what it is you really want. Yeah. If you do those two things first, it gets, makes the journey out there much easier.
0: Yeah. I firmly believe that I will attract who I am inside and, mm-hmm. All of what you just described, no, I am not perfect. (laughs) No, I'm not perfect. But those are my qualities, you know, the trust, the compassion, the safety. Yeah, yeah.
1: The perfect thing, I believe that spiritually we're perfect. In human, we're imperfect, which is intentional. So don't even think about trying to be perfect. It's not worth the effort because it's not possible in the human form. Right.
0: Oh, wow! 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 <laughs> okay. So, what else would you like to share? Is there what are you up to? What are you doing? Where can listeners find you and just well, have this access right. to that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, my book is on Amazon. I have a website with all my offerings on it, and I have a YouTube channel with twelve hundred videos on it now. Mm-hmm. um all, all my talks are done on facebook live and in interviews and podcasts and also on my uh, weekly web show are all stored on youtube which is safekeeping so you can watch all my stuff for free on my youtube channel um all my social media is my name which is barry selby my website is my name barryselby.com that's easy to find you can check out all my stuff there yes instagram is the only platform where i don't have my name that way because my account got hacked so it's the real barry selby on instagram <laughs> but I'm busy, on, I'm busy on Clubhouse. I've got some big collaborations this year coming up, which are not out yet, but they're coming. I've got, I mean, I still take on private clients and I do have an online course for women called Attract the Man You Want, which is why I talk a lot about traction and focusing on what you want to create. That's one of my online courses that is available on its, a do-it-yourself format or with private guidance. So that's on my website too. And if you want to have a conversation to discover what you're looking for and if you want real help on the front page of my website, there's a, a button that says, let's connect. And you can sign up for a, a complimentary chat with me there.
0: Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your success rate.
1: Um, I don't track that, to be honest. I just track that.
0: I know it's up to the individuals. You're only giving yeah. them the tools and if they don't use them, then it won't work. But I was just curious.
1: Well, the thing is that it's interesting because I, I, I network through a, a bunch of like groups on WhatsApp and on Facebook and other places with other professionals in my field. Uh-huh. But I include matchmakers and dating coaches and dating profile writers and everything else. So their success rate is different from mine because matchmakers focus on couples, getting couples together. I focus on healed hearts because my real work mm-hmm. to be transparent, as you used the word transparency earlier, yeah. is I'm not so concern, much concerned about them finding the love out there first. I'm more focus, concerned about the focus of the love in here. And when they are whole, first of all, every relationship that they have is changing. So I'm grateful that they get that. Right. I love it when they message message me back and say they found somebody, but I'm always like, let me see how it goes, because I want to make sure that what they learned, they're applying. Because if they're still running their old paradigm, they may be reaching out to me in a couple of years saying, mm, didn't work. Yeah. So I want, so I don't, I don't use, I don't focus my results on that. I focus my results on, are they transformed from when we started working together to where they are now? I know they love themselves like this, but like I believe they should be. I don't know it's a should, but. I believe we should love ourselves much more than we have done.
0: Right. Right. It's been pure amazement. And I so appreciate you, Barry. When your episode goes out, the show notes will be there. People can't remember any of what you just said.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I think.
0: (laughs) I will be sharing that. And I can't wait for your episode to come out. And again, I'm grateful. It's, It was amazing. It was amazing. And I thank you for saying yes.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I'm glad you're invited. So
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I promise you we'll have a little fun with this. (laughs) And to my listeners, I thank you as well. I thank you for listening. And I will see you next week. In the meantime, you know what to do. Just keep on growing. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Growing Through Grief and being part of this loving community of women. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share and spread the word. Let's help all women become richer and more nourished in their heart so that they're able to just keep on rising. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas, or you would like to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at coachingtotheheart.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep on growing.